Hello and welcome in to another episode of the Fantasy Football Podcast. Coming at you with a little quarterback draft strategy today. We're going to kind of go over how we view these quarterback tiers today. Uh, but before we jump into the football, Cody, how are we doing on a late Thursday night? I uh, had a couple preseason games tonight. I didn't get to see any of the action, but it's uh, it's just nice to have football on again. Yeah, absolutely. Tank Dell actually had a really cool-looking catch um, in the end zone in the New England-Houston game, which I saw for a split second, but I wasn't very locked into these preseason games either. I will uh, read all the all the tea leaves on social media and on the interweb from these games, but I know I'm going to be pretty balls-to-the-wall watching football once the season starts, so the meaningless preseason games just don't excite me to enough level to make me sit in front and, and watch the entire thing. Yeah, if you're tuned in for any uh, Seahawks Vikings reaction or any uh, uh, Houston New England reaction, you're not going to get much of it here tonight. Uh, we haven't had a ton of time to go over those games. Uh, I think the actually the uh, the Vikings Seahawks is still underway right now. So if there are any relevant uh, you know takes from these games, we will uh, we'll react to them on our next episode. But right now, uh, we're going to have to go back in and review the film. Like you said, I saw Tank Dell had a pretty good game, but. Uh, surface level stats in preseason mean nothing because it's, you know, was it with the ones? Was it with Stroud? I have no idea. I haven't gone back and looked, but that's going to yeah. be the, uh, the bigger factor. If he, if he caught that touchdown in the third quarter against, uh, you know, the backups, backup cornerback, then it doesn't mean too much, even if it was a nice catch, but, exactly. uh, still fun to watch football on TV. The, it just, it just means we're getting closer. Only three preseason weeks now. I always forget that. So this is, uh, you know, we're one week closer than we normally are when preseason action starts. Uh, before we kick off the news and notes here today, though, you want to give me your hot take, Cody? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the hot takes, I felt like kind of cooled off for a little bit, but I think I have one that's a little bit better this uh, for this episode. So this one I feel like it's a little bit odd, which I think kind of makes it a hot take just because it's kind of out there a little bit. But okay. the mechanical pencils that I think everyone stopped using after high school, Victoria mm-hmm. has just a random batch of like 20 of them. So I popped one out the other <laughs> okay. day and I started using one and I was like, holy shit, this is so nice to use. I forgot how wonderful mechanical pencils are. So I think my hot take is my preferred writing utensil would be the nice high school mechanical pencil. Wow. Yeah, see, I could never get behind mechanical pencils. I felt like any time I would use a mechanical pencil, you know, like you'd start pushing down oh, on yeah. the, the lead that it would let out and it would just shoot right back up into the plastic piece. Like every yeah, time yeah. I had to, I had to like hold down the little shoot at the top that would push out a little bit of the lead each time and they just piss me off i feel like the idea (laughs) is better than the concept when it comes to mechanical pencils it's a lot like a roomba have you ever had have you ever had a roomba in your house cody oh my gosh well i didn't i have not had a like name brand roomba i had a knockoff one i've gotten off amazon and it was yeah, neither have I. I'll be fair. I have never just Roomba. If you want to sponsor the podcast, we'll probably we'll uh, we'll endorse you. But I have never Appreciate had never had a name there. name brand Roomba. But the one we had, yeah, the off brand similar style. It it doesn't work. Like it, it's such a good idea, but it just did not pan out. I feel like that's how I feel about mechanical pencils. But you know, maybe you found a brand that works for you. So that's, yeah, I like that take enough. though. That's that that throws me back. That 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 makes me feel you know middle school vibes. So I appreciate that for sure. Um, my take's a little bit more seasonal. Uh, it's because we are kind of in the midst of the uh, dog days of summer right now. 
I don't know how hot of a take this is going to be on a football podcast because I feel like you know we have a lot of fans of the winter months in these parts. But my hot take is that summer is the worst season. I feel like a lot of people get hyped up for it because you know you get to go to beaches, you go on vacations, but it's just for me, especially living in the middle of the country in St. Louis, you live in KC, so you have similar conditions, but it's just hot. Uh, we don't have a large body of water directly near us to go, you know, hang out at. There's nothing to look at. It's just a bad time outside and uh, there's not much you can do about it. And then there's no sports to watch either, which is a double, you know, a double down of bad. So uh, I will, I will go with summer is the worst season for my hot take. Yeah, absolutely. I I won't say summer is my least favorite season because I don't really feel like in the Midwest we get too much of a fall or spring anymore. If those were a little bit longer and we got a true fall or a true spring season, I feel like I'd probably like like those would be my favorite because I feel like those are the more preferable temperature wise. Um, but I mean, I I love to golf, and let me tell you, there's nothing better than golfing when it's hot outside versus golfing when it's really cold outside. So I know the age-old adage is you can always put more clothes on. You can never take your clothes fully off. Exactly, Cody. It's hard to swing when you got a bunch of golf, a bunch of golf jackets <laughs> on and stuff. But, um, but I will, I will agree. It is miserable here in the Midwest. Um, thankfully, my grandparents have moved down to Florida, so they're down there a lot, and we take a lot of our trips in the winter time, and we get to escape the cold and go down there where it's pretty nice. I don't really get the point of having a summer vacation. You're just leaving the extremely miserable hot to go somewhere that's most likely extremely miserable hot, um, but with water. So I get it. But at the same time, yeah, like it's it's not my preferred time to travel, I guess I would say, because everywhere else, unless you're going somewhere like in the mountains or somewhere specific where it's going to be cooler. But um you know, the more I'm talking about it, you might have actually talked me into it. Summer might actually be the worst month outside of being the best month for golf. Yeah, it's more about the, uh, you know, the, the sport, the sports not being on is really a double down effect of the, uh, like you said, the bad weather and just kind of the, the seasonal depression you get with the summer. Uh, in my opinion, yeah. I, I feel like I feel like a lot of people look forward to it, but it is my least favorite season. So I'm glad it's coming to an end is kind of my end point here, but, um, Let's go ahead and jump into the football content. Cody, do you have our drop? Have you heard the news? Time for Nick's news and notes from around the NFL. If that was extremely loud for the listeners, I am so sorry. My volume was turned up a little (laughs) louder than it probably should have been, and that came through my headphones booming so if it does the same i apologize it'll be better next time (laughs) (laughs) we're still working out the kinks with the drops but i was uh proud of myself that i anticipated that one a little better than i have the past two times so we uh again we uh we will end up locking this thing down uh as we move on here but i don't have a ton of extremely relevant news the only big one that uh, i'll go ahead and start out with that happened pretty soon after we recorded our last pod is that alvin Kamara officially got a three-game suspension I don't think this changes much in the way of how we view him. I think we were, we were expecting two to four. We got three. They, you know, cut the proverbial baby in half here and just gave us right down the middle instead of, you know, usually they stick to even numbers for whatever reason. This time they went with three games. I feel like the uh, suspension system in the NFL is very arbitrary sometimes. But either way, uh, for Camara, I think, you know, still mid-20s on the running back board. 
still around six, round seven pick. Uh, I I like him in that range, depending on the the con you know the uh, the construct of your league. Smaller leagues, I like him more. Bigger leagues where you need more depth, I don't like him as much. Uh, do you have any other opinions on Kamara? I agree with everything that you've said, and I checked NFC ADP, and he is still going. That that's where they have him on their website. I, on my mock drafts that I've been posting every day on YouTube, plug for the mock drafts on YouTube, by the way. Um, Kamara, the past couple of days, has been going in like the mid fourth around the running backs that go there. Whoa. Which, if you're, yeah, that's really risky because I think there's just a lot of competition in New Orleans. And even when he comes back, I don't think he's a full go running back one, maybe a risky running back two, low end running back two potentially. So if you can get him in sixth or seventh round and he's just a depth piece, I don't mind it as much. If you're going as far up as sleeper and spending a fourth round pick, I personally think that's crazy. I, I could not get behind that. Sleeper ADP usually a bit sharper than your Yahoo's and your ESPNs as far as uh, you know average draft position goes in a general sense. But I will agree uh, the fourth round for Camara is a bit too rich for me, uh, considering the other options you have in that area that are a little more guaranteed to have touches. Uh, yeah, like you said, they drafted the guy in the third round this year, Kendra Miller. Jamal yep. Williams is brought in on a contract, so. A decent amount of competition for Kamara, even after. And they were sniffing around Kareem Hunt. I mean, they were all Uh, about signing Kareem Hunt, too. So that's even more red flags. I'm glad you brought that up. I didn't actually include that in the news and notes stock because I had it. I had it listed and then I had to take it off because it was basically a done deal the other day and then it wasn't. So that was kind of a weird situation there. But Kareem Hunt, like you said, was almost signed to the Saints, which means they are looking for additional help in the running back room, which is, uh, again, kind of just speaking to the point that they don't want Kamara being a 20-touch guy. And uh, if you're missing three games and you're also you know, in a three-headed committee, that's that's going to be a tough situation. I think his talent is worth a pick in the sixth or seventh round, but fourth round is way too rich. Uh, speaking of extremely talented running backs, the Colts signed uh, running back Kenyon Drake. I kid, of course. Uh, I think this is just so they have a little bit of depth in the wake of Jonathan Taylor leaving Indianapolis amid his contract dispute. Uh, it's getting a little scarier by the day if you're a JT owner and dynasty uh, keeper or otherwise. Um I don't know what I'd be doing drafting him right now. It's a really tough call. I think if you're in the early third and he's still there, it's really hard to pass him up, but I think I'm avoiding him until that point. What do you think? Yeah, I I can 100% stand by that. I did a underdog best ball draft earlier today, um, and he was there in the late second, and I I took another running backs over him. I think that his situation, unlike Saquon's, is warranted because he never had that first-round pick contract. I know he was like the first pick in the second round, so it's not like a major drop-off. He wasn't a late-round pick, but Saquon at number two has gotten paid quite a bit of money in the NFL when you're comparing him to like a Jonathan Taylor. So I think Jonathan Taylor does have some – he does have something to kind of stand on. Um, I just – I don't really think that you're going to get the most value out of yourself out of a running back by not playing. So from my perspective, I hope Jonathan Taylor gets back to the team and things get settled. However way, if it's with a contract or without with promises or whatnot, but for me, as if I was his agent, I don't think I could recommend him missing games. I don't think that you ever get your true value. If you're giving up money as a running back, as it stands right now. Yeah. The visceral reaction with the owner, I think is the the big thing here. It might just become a pride thing for JT, but yeah, you're right. I think it makes too much sense for him to come back. That's why I think in a 
like I said, the, the early third, I'd probably bite just on the talent, but you know, this wasn't the only concern we had from him coming in the running quarterback, the lack of targets, most likely uh, the somewhat weaker offensive line. There were other concerns for him beyond this. So it's just kind of piling on at this point. Hopefully his situation gets cleared up in the coming weeks and we don't have to, uh, you know, be wondering when we get closer to draft time. Bijan Robinson listed as the third running back on the unofficial depth chart. Kind of concerning for somebody you're considering taking in the top half of the first round, but uh, I don't really take these early camp, especially unofficial depth charts too seriously. I think this is, again, just going to be sort of a uh, veteran, you know, gets the benefit of the doubt situation. Bijan will end up winning out. Do you have any uh, concerns about this as a potential Bijan drafter, or is this just a, a blip on the radar? Nope. In my two underdog drafts, uh, Bijan actually fell to the one-two turn. He's been going kind of in that eight-nine slot right after the top seven go. So he's fall. I mean, yep. that's a fall, but not too much. I snagged him there in both of the drafts. I haven't had a lot of Bijan because I've been scared to spend a middle first on him. But if I'm getting him around the one-two turn where I can just put him up there with another top-tier asset, I'm okay with it. Um, you know, ultimately, I don't think that this we're going to look back on this and it's just going to be silly news. So if you're drafting now, if you're doing best ball, I think you can draft him at his ADP and it's fine. If you trust the player, this doesn't give me any hope that he's going to or any non hope that he's not going to be good. So if you have believed in Bijan up until this point, your belief shouldn't change based on this. news. Couldn't have said it better myself. I totally agree. Buy the dip if you see one in any of your drafts with Bijan Robinson. And again, you like him at the value that he was at before. Rashad Bateman activated off the pup. He is back in practice, so the Ravens have their full complement of wide receivers right now. Uh, good to see there. Hopefully he can create some buzz before uh, we get into the thick of draft season, so we have some confidence taking him with a uh, you know eighth or ninth round pick. I think he could be worth it. I've always liked the talent. Sky Moore, your boy over in Kansas City, has been consistently on the field in two wide receiver sets. This is more of just kind of a buzz piece uh, for the Chiefs. Do you have any specific read on this Skymore situation, or uh, are, is this just kind of one of those uh, you know coach speak situations? I apologize, Nick. You cut out right after your Rashad Bateman point right there. Um, Excuse me. I just introduced Skymore getting some campus essentially uh, from a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Can you give me any more insight there? Is this just a, a coach speak thing, or do you think this is legit? Um, I have been on the Sky Moore has a chance to be the guy for fantasy that people have wanted for the past two years. Maybe just slightly better than Juju, not like a Tyree Kill level, but someone who at least has fantasy relevant on the, relevance on the Chiefs. Uh, if you're stocks in Kadarius Tony or Kadarius Noni, I think that's just dumb at this point. That's a lot of a lot of risk for what you're getting. Um, Rasheed Rice may get the Sky Moore treatment and may just not get on the field as a rookie very much. The Andy Reid offense is very system or very, um, oh, very difficult to understand. Complex. It's a very confusing, yeah. complex system. Thank you. Um, so there's just a chance that rookies just aren't going to be featured in it, which I'm okay with. And then MVS is like your next big target in the wide receiver room. Which if you're drafting MVS with your last pick, I don't really care. Go ahead. So I'm okay with drafting Sky Moore where he's going at ADP wise um, in redrafts. I will say he was very high in the underdog draft I did today. I could not take him where he was going there. A lot of other wide receivers I like with, I think, more promised opportunity that, that they're going to get. But if it's a late-round flyer in your draft, I think you should take that on Sky Moore all day. 
Yeah, I'm okay with it in round 10 plus. I am probably of the opinion, basically, of what we had last year. It's that yeah, it's going to be Kelsey it. and then somebody else every other week. Best ball, I like him a little more, like you said, because you don't have to make the lineup decision. But he's probably going to go higher because of that, like you said, uh, you know, uh, with, with best ball being what it is. So uh, I probably won't draft a ton of Sky more, but if he falls to round 10 or 11, go ahead and throw the dart on him. It's a really good offense. You might as well. Couple of small injuries here to fantasy relevant players that again we'll just keep our eye on. Don't look like huge deals, but uh, soft tissue injuries have a way of lingering occasionally. Miles Sanders, a groin tweak. He won't play in Saturday's preseason game. Probably was hoping that he wouldn't do that anyway, based on his standing with the team. But we'll keep an eye on it. Hopefully, it doesn't develop into anything bigger than that. George Kittle, an abductor strain, expected to be sidelined for at least a week. Same thing here. Don't think uh, we were going to, you know, be looking at his preseason action with any, uh, you know, any lenses. But uh, just hopefully he gets back into practice uh, a week or two before the season starts, so we can have some confidence there. Any reaction to either one of those injuries, or do you want to drop, uh, jump into the QB draft strategy? Yeah, I think you nailed it with both those guys. Um, it's just something to keep an eye on if it's something that lingers into the next couple of weeks. But if they're both just out for these preseason games, maybe the next week of practice, I'm not going to be too concerned no, drafting-wise. Um, but, you know, if they slip a little bit in drafts and give you some value based on this news, I think you should take that value all day. But other than that – Especially with Sanders. Oh, yeah, I love Sanders. I, I have drafted so much Sanders over the summer, it's crazy. So <laughs> <laughs> We'll get into him when we do our running back draft strategy. Uh, For sure. So let's go ahead and jump into the QB draft strategy here. Uh, so I'm just going to kind of give an overview of how this is going to work. We are going to go tier by tier here. We'll introduce the players in the tiers. We'll talk about every single quarterback you know, in the top 9 to 12 individually, uh, at least a little bit. And then past that, we're probably going to just kind of pick and choose some guys that we find some value in in the later rounds. Um, we're not necessarily going to get to every single player. And if we don't get to somebody in the later rounds, that should probably tell you how we feel about their current draft position. Uh, and again, those guys in the late rounds don't cost much. So if we don't like them at that ADP, we probably just don't like them at all. Uh, but anyway, let's go ahead. We're going to start out with Tier 1. This tier, I feel like, is the most solidified tier one of any position out there, maybe other than tight end. Uh, that is Mahomes, Hurts, and Allen. They are all going in round two. Mahomes a little higher than the rest. Mahomes, uh, his ADP is at 14.6 right now. Hurts 20.4, Allen 21.3, Cody. So right off the top, are we drafting from this tier at all uh, in any of our leagues, or are we waiting a little bit on quarterback? Um, I, so I think you made a good point pre-show that I'll let you make. I'm not going to steal that from you. Uh, for me personally, the note that I've made about these three guys is I would love to get them somewhere in the third round, preferably if one of the three falls to maybe the back end of the third, that's where I think I'm getting the value at quarterback versus the value I'm losing at running back or receiver or tight end as well. So the odds of one of these three guys falling in most redrafts to the back of the third is slim to none. So with that being the case, I'm going to say probably not drafting any of these guys. But, Nick, I think you should make your point that you did before the show, which can be a situation where you take a flyer on one of these guys, like Mahomes going basically at the 1-2 turn right now. <laughs> 
Yeah, he, he is. It's real high. Uh, I think it's probably too high. I don't like Mahomes necessarily even more than Hurts or Allen. I would put them all three in basically the same bucket. I would like to take the last one of these three if I was really targeting one of them. I would agree with you off the jump. 12-team plus leagues, I'm probably staying away here. Uh, if one of them falls into the early third, mid-third, I would be very tempted. I might bite at that at that price point, but where they are right now, no thank you. Uh, but the, the point that you were alluding to that we talked about pre-show is that in 10-team or smaller leagues, I believe the onesie positions, that being quarterback or tight end uh, positions, you only have to start one player of. Uh, those those advantages become more important because the waiver wire options at running back and wide receiver are going to be better than they would be in a larger league because in a larger league, there are more players rostered. It's a pretty simple concept. Uh, so anyway, those guys become considerations for me in round two when that is the case. Uh, at the same time, a lot of those 10 team leagues are, you know, home state, home leagues. Those Those are leagues where those type of guys get pushed up anyway. So I feel like you're probably not even finding them in those type of leagues because Mahomes is probably going, you know, round one and then Hertz and Allen are going end of round one, early round two. Anyway, uh, the point being uh, in those style of leagues, I'm considering them in round two, especially late round two if they're there. Uh, but otherwise, I'm probably staying away from this tier as much as I like all these guys. I completely agree with them being in the top three. I'd agree with the order. But again, I think you could you could label them. 1A, 1B, 1C for me. I, I view them all very similarly from a fantasy aspect. Yep. These three guys are very simple for me. I would love to have all three of them on all of my fantasy teams, and there's a chance that I end up with none of them on any of my fantasy teams. And just the way the cookie crumbles when you have quarterbacks that are going this high, I don't think I have like an old-school draft mentality where I have to take quarterback late, but – the next group of guys that we're going to talk about have some just extreme value towards the back end of that tier that I think needs to be the premier target that could jump into this top tier. Um, so for that reason, I, I just, unless it just falls to a good value for me, I cannot take these guys. But again, if you do, if you I think love the advantage of quarterback, take them all day because they're really, really good at football. I think one of the best ways to think about this is to go ahead and just jump into this, jump into ADP and say, okay, so who am I giving up if I draft Mahomes where he's going? Uh, I'm looking at NFC ADP right here. The pick above Mahomes is Nick Chubb. Pick under him is Devontae Adams, both really good players. So you say to yourself, would I rather have Mahomes? And say, let's scroll down to Justin Herbert's ADP, and the player right below him is Travis Etienne. So would I rather have Mahomes and Etienne, or would I rather have uh, Nick Chubb and Justin Herbert? I'll take Nick Chubb and Justin Herbert personally, and I think that's kind of the, the decision you have to make for yourself. We want Mahomes and Etienne, or Herbert and Chubb. I'll take the better running back in that situation, and that's kind of you know where we're coming from when we uh, would decide on this next tier kind of giving away the gambit on this I'm next year. I think that's where I think we finished up tier one. Fine. Let's jump right on <laughs> into it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go ahead and jump into tier two. I think this is where uh, we're going to be living uh, a lot this year. I do have kind of a secondary point I want to get to here with uh, the way quarterbacks are being drafted this year, but tier two is Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. I think I want to stress again that these tiers are based on NFC ADP. I don't base these on our rankings. Uh, I just kind of found where there are breaks in ADP. Uh, these guys are kind of grouped together pretty nicely in the third through fifth rounds. Same with the guys in round two. 
And uh, same with the guys as we move down the tier list here. They're all going to be grouped together in ADP. So uh, I read them off in the order that they're going. Uh, Burroughs at 36, Jackson 38, Herbert 40. Uh, then there's a bit of a, a mini tier break here to Fields and Lawrence. Fields at 50, Lawrence at 52.3. Uh, so what do you think about this tier, Cody? You're looking at rounds three through five here. Are you interested in drafting any of these guys? And if so, who was your favorite? Yeah, I I guess, yes. Okay, so my favorite ad, their current value is probably Justin Herbert, just simply because he's proven he's done it. Two years ago, I think he was the QB2 overall. Um, and, I mean, there's plenty of reasons you can look back to last year and just say it wasn't him as a player. It was their offensive system. You could say it was the injuries to their wide receiving core, their injuries to Justin Herbert himself. Um, there's plenty of reasons you can go back and just say, you know, last year we were taking this guy right there with Mahomes and Allen. Like he was in that top three with those two. And now he's falling into, you know, we're looking at five, six range. And I wouldn't doubt it if people are taking Justin, uh, people are taking Justin Fields over. I'm sorry. I didn't, I read it backwards. So I, I just think Joe, Justin Herbert has a very clear opportunity to jump back into that top tier. If his weapons stay healthy, he stays healthy. Kellen Moore's system helps him out. Whereas, you know, a lot of these guys, Joe Burrow's kind of in a similar situation. Like, does he have another level of fantasy value over what he did? Or are you drafting him at a ceiling? I'd argue you're probably drafting him pretty close to a ceiling. Lamar Jackson's another guy you can make the case for, but his running has simply just not been not as effective for fantasy but since his 2019 year he just has not been the complete difference maker that you'd be drafting him at here and then for me justin fields i'm just a little scared about right now i wanted to get your opinion on justin fields because i know you were pretty high on him last year i think i ended the season saying he was one of my favorite uh quarterbacks when he got dj Moore. i was very excited about him now i'm listening to all this nfl talk to get ready for the season and everything and now i'm starting to get a little scared of justin fields and what is he going to be this year what are the chicago bears going to be so for me in this tier i'm going to go justin herbert all day i think he's the best value um i think if you miss out on him lawrence is fine because you can get him after him um but you know the other guys in this tier i'm just a little bit skeptical about still yeah so my favorite like you alluded to is fields he would be, he's number four on my board anyway. Uh, so I would take him over all these guys in a vacuum. Uh, obviously, I'm going to hope to wait for him a little bit in ADP and not, you know, I'm not going to reach for him in the third round. I think if I can get him late round four and if he gets to round five, it's basically an auto pick for me. Uh, again, kind of depending on league format, but uh, I can't see any situation, whether it be 10 team, 12 team, 14 team, that I see Fields in the fifth round and I'm not taking him. Like you said, uh, his actual, you know, NFL ability is under question, but uh, I think, you know, considering what we saw last year with his rushing ability and anything you get off the top with his passing is probably a plus. He was a top five quarterback last year without any of, you know, the so-called improvement that he may have in the passing game. So even if he does not improve at all with the number one wide receiver, which seems unlikely, and, you know, he stays relatively healthy. He can still put up a top five quarterback season like we saw last year. So I, I'm taking fields, especially because he's towards the back end of the uh, the tier in ADP here. I like Herbert as well. Uh, again, I think both of those guys would fall into the same bucket for me as far as, you know, I think Herbert has a big bounce back potential, like you said. Every, I kind of just echo everything you said with Herbert. I don't really have to get after uh, an analysis there, but 
you know, if you're in a league that Herbert falls a little farther than Fields for whatever reason, you got a Fields stand in your league and Herbert's there in the same spot that I would take Fields. I repeat everything that I said with Fields and just take Herbert late fourth or fifth. Uh, his ADP is just a little bit higher, so you don't see that quite as much. I'm staying away from Burrow and Jackson. Uh, we had a pretty in-depth talk about Lamar Jackson on our quarterback disagreement show, so I'm not going to belabor all those points that we went over, but I just think he is going to take it a year or uh, or so to adjust to this offense. It's a really big change for him. And again, he's just higher up in this tier than the rest of these guys. I'm not a huge fan of Lawrence either. I think he's been hyped up a little bit too much. Uh, I like him as a player a lot, but he's he's a pretty standard pocket passer. I think he's you know Justin Herbert light at this point as far as fantasy goes. I would rather pay around premium on Herbert than take Lawrence where he's going. Uh, but ideally, I'm waiting for Fields in the fifth or the late fourth if you have to take him. Yeah, I don't. I don't disagree with too much that you said. I, I'm definitely higher on Trevor Lawrence. I think that there is he. Yeah, you're a Lawrence is in guy. the stage of his career where there is a chance he can take the next step. We saw it towards the end of last season and into the playoffs. He was a little bit more mobile, more confident with his running. He does have turnover issues. He fumbles the ball and he likes to throw it to the other team more than you would like your fantasy quarterback to do. So there's definitely question marks. You hope that he, as he gets more mature within his NFL career, that those just start to come down like a lot of quarterbacks do. But I understand the hesitancy. And honestly, like when I'm drafting Trevor Lawrence, where you have to draft Trevor Lawrence, it feels like you're missing out on one of those top six guys. And you're like, I still want a guy I believe in. And that's where I find myself taking a lot of Trevor Lawrence. Uh, But if I can get myself a Justin Herbert, probably a Justin Fields as well. I'm taking one of those two before I take Lawrence. I just think if you miss out on that group, if you believe in Lawrence, I think he's a fine quarterback to take at his ADP. Um, but I do prefer that second tier a little bit better, a little more. Yeah, I see Lawrence just scares me a little bit because uh, he is reliant on his his arm, basically. So it, you have to think to yourself, is he going to outperform the Joe Burrows, the Patrick Mahomeses, the Jalen Hurts, or not Jalen Hurts, he's a running quarterback. Josh Allen, to some degree, obviously he's got some legs as well, but is he going to outperform those guys with his arm? Because that's what he's going to need to do to get into the top five because there are going to be a plenty of other guys that outproduce Lawrence on the ground, uh, you know, sure. like the Fields and the Jacksons. Those guys give me a higher floor week to week as well. So that's kind of why I just tend to lean that way. Uh, but, you know, to each their own. And obviously league format is going to matter for you a little bit here uh, as well. Uh, but just those pocket passers end up, you know, they're, they're a little bit more reliant on touchdowns as well. It just comes, you know, some seasons like Herbert had last year where he, touchdowns didn't go his way. He ended up at QB 15 on points per game wasn't necessarily because he played a horrible year as a passer. Those sort of things just happen to guys that rely on touchdowns from the pocket. A guy like Fields doesn't need that necessarily right. to, to go his way uh, from a touchdown perspective. But yep. I get I get the Lawrence hype. I'm scared about being wrong on Jacksonville as a whole, to be honest. I'm a little lower on uh, Ridley, too. But if he comes out and he's just great, I'm not going to be terribly surprised, and I'll be I'll have egg on my face for sure. So it's, it's possible. I... I can't argue with it too much if you take Lawrence in the you know late fifth, early sixth. Yeah, I also wanted to be out on Ridley, but the camp hype is just getting to me, man. It's hard. He looks so yeah, good in those great. videos. <laughs> I I loved him as a player in Atlanta too. Oh, absolutely, I really really loved him as a player. Loved his tape. He looked really dynamic. But just two years off in the NFL is a really hard thing to come back from. We saw that with Watson last year, and I know it's a different position, but I have to imagine it. You know, it's it's kind of a similar uh, you know similar situation. 
for sure. So that kind of does transition us into tier three. It is a, a mini tier here. It's just Deshaun Watson. And basically that is because, uh, like I said, Lawrence is at 52.3. He is quarterback eight and he is the end of tier two. Deshaun Watson's at 75.1 on ADP. And then the first player in tier four, Tua Tungavailoa is 93.4. So Watson is really by himself here at 75.1, kind of in between uh, these two tiers. That's why I wanted to include him by himself. 75.1 would put him around, let's see, you know, early or late round six, early round seven six, in a 12 seven, team yeah. league. Do you have any interest in uh, Deshaun Watson in that situation? I feel like he is another player that is very hard to read uh, for fantasy. Very tough to read. Um, it'll definitely depend on how I'm building my roster. I think, let's say through the first six rounds, I go three running backs, three wide receivers. I'm pro- if there's a better tight end than streaming, like let's say somehow, you know, one of those better tight ends we're going to talk about next episode fall to the seventh round. I think I'm taking the tight end over Deshaun Watson, but okay. let's say like that he is 100% just draft for me. Like if I, I find a way to where maybe I'm on a turn and I can just like stack him quickly with, you know, one of his receivers, or maybe I draft Amari. Maybe I'm a little bit more interested in him. But if I have no other ties to Deshaun Watson and I'm in a draft, I found myself, it's been very hard for me to draft him just because I think that he can come back and be good. But if you go back and really look at his best years in Houston, like he was good he had a one great year but he wasn't consistently great for fantasy where it was like i gotta take my shot on this guy so i think even if he does turn around and he's good that may just be back in qb1 good it may not be top five potential like he had at one point in his career yeah i like that last point that you made actually uh because I kind of agree with you as far as Deshaun Watson, you know, maybe having a good year, but also not having a great year for fantasy, especially because this Browns offense has never been super pass heavy. I know that they invested in Elijah Moore over the offseason. They drafted another, uh, you know, kind of later round wide receiver, made some additions to the passing game as a whole. But Kevin Stavansky's always been ground first, and he has a great offensive line and a great running back. I don't see why he would, you know, necessarily go away from that just because he has a, gen, you know, a a supposed generational passer. I, I think, you know, if the ground game isn't working, that's something that we could see them transition to. But the fact that they have a great offensive line and a good running back makes me think that's not going to be the case. So I think we're still looking at a run heavy system and a system that Deshaun Watson could be, like you said, good, but just good to the point where he's a back end QB one. I don't see top three upside with him. So for that reason, I think I'd be passing and waiting to tier four if I missed out on one of those tier two guys that I really like. Uh, I, I just, I just the the problem, yeah, the problem, like you said, is I see a world where Sean Watson plays well this year and also isn't a top five quarterback for fantasy. So that's uh, that's why I'd be laying off, like you said, maybe looking at one of those tight ends in round six or seven, or just another running back or wide receiver I like and waiting till tier four for my uh, next, you know, my, yeah. my shot at a starter. I will just say one last thing and then we can move on. If you are in best ball, I don't mind taking the shot on Deshaun Watson. If you miss out on that full top tier of guys, cause then you could take Deshaun, 
and another guy we're going to talk about in this next tier, and you're going to have a pretty solid quarterback core to where then you could just wait and draft another guy we'll talk about towards the end of the show. So that's a little best ball strategy I don't mind taking Watson on because you're not going to have to worry about the weeks where Nick Chubb just dominates and has three touchdowns. Like hopefully your other quarterbacks exactly. back you up then. In a redraft, I just there's this Browns offense just doesn't excite me enough in the passing game for me to think Deshaun can bounce back into that top tier of quarterback. So I I think we're on the same page there. Let's go ahead and transition into tier four here. So we are starting with quarterback ten off the board. That is Tua Tungabailoa. QB eleven is Kirk Cousins. QB twelve Dak Prescott. Tua's ADP ninety three point four. Kirk one hundred three point four. Dak Prescott one hundred three point six. So Kirk and Dak pretty much identical there. This tier has my second favorite target at the quarterback position behind Justin Fields in the late fourth, early fifth. That is Tua. In uh, round eight, as his ADP is right now, if you get him there, I absolutely love it. If you have to reach into round seven in, again, maybe a tighter league where all the quarterbacks have gone off, I think he is one of my last guys I'm super comfortable having as a starter, especially in a 10-team league. I think in a 10-team league, it's it's pretty important to get one of these guys that, in my view, has a chance to move into the top five quarterbacks. Uh, you know, 12 team plus leagues, you can kind of win out with depth a little easier. You can get one of these Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott types that are a little more solid, don't have the high end potential that Tua does. Uh, but anyway, I, I I would be targeting Tua out of this tier. I, I would pay the round premium that he is going at right now above Cousins and Prescott because of the impressive numbers he put up on a per game basis last year with uh, Waddle and Tyreek in the lane. 100%. And if you have, like, if you spend a first on Tyreek Hill or a second on Jalen Waddle and you can stack Tua with them, the weeks where Tua was healthy. And I mean, one thing we talked Excellent. about this with Seattle, there's really only two premier pass catching options in Miami. Like, uh, Kiseki's gone. I don't even know who their tight end is. I probably should figure that out. I don't know who their I'm wide receiver sure three is. I'd assume it's probably one of San Francisco's old ancillary guys. So, like, right now, if you have Waddle and Hill, you've got to stack them with Tua because most of his targets are going to be going to one of those two guys. I think that is a easy fast track to win you a couple games in fantasy this year is stacking Tua with one of those two guys. I love it. So, I, I was hoping you would say Dak or Kirk so that way we could go back and forth a little bit, but I'm all over Tua in this tier as well. Um I don't if, again if you miss out on Tua like I feel like if you're taking Dak or Kirk like it's okay but I yeah I guess I understand the value of taking them they're probably a little bit more secure but you'd have to do an ADP game and just be like who am I missing out with around the hundredth pick versus who am I missing out with at the hundred and twentieth and look at a Geno or a Daniel Jones or something I'd have to really consider that it would depend who's on the board but. In this tier, it's probably Tua, and then the rest the rest will all just come down to how the draft is falling for me. Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott, if I leave a league with either of those two guys, I'm not super excited about it, unless they fall a couple rounds or something like that. Something crazy happens. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Looking for Tua in the eighth round if I miss out on the tier two guys that I like, uh, and maybe even considering him in round seven, depending on the running back and wide receiver options there, and depending on the rest of your league. You know, if you're the last one or two guys to draft a quarterback, I might reach for Tua in round seven and, uh, you know, hope I can fill up my depth after that. 
Cousins and Prescott, I don't mind. Uh, they're fine in rounds eight or nine. If you want to take them, they will be safe. But there is a specific strategy that I have if I miss out on my tier two guys and I miss out on Tua that I would like to implement in the later rounds that we'll get to when I get to this next tier. So I think I would be looking to do that instead of taking Cousins or Prescott. I don't think I'll end up with zero of them this year, but it's possible. I I don't love them. I don't hate them at their ADP. They just kind of are what they are. Yeah, for me, if you're in a two quarterback league and you can, and you're okay paying the premium, and they're your second mm-hmm. quarterback, I think that's huge because uh, yes. that's a very nice, consistent piece. And a redraft single quarterback, I just don't think they give me that week to week upside that I'm like ecstatic leaving the draft with. So, um, just wanted to put that in there because obviously there are good players and good quarterbacks. It's just for fantasy football, they have their rough weeks for sure. Yeah, Tua's uh, injury concerns much more of a problem in a two-quarterback league. I'm glad you brought that up. Cousins yeah. and Prescott become a lot more appealing in those situations, but they will also be you know, third-round picks in a two-quarterback league, so it's almost a completely different podcast we need to make because those leagues are just incredibly different. They are much better options in that situation. I might even take them over to a consider, like depending on what other quarterback I had or depending on what other positions I had filled at that point. Uh, because they are just much more likely to play 16 or 17 games these days uh, than Tua is. But in a one-quarterback league, it's easier to fill that position. Let's go ahead and jump into Tier 5. There are some interesting options here that uh, I would like to get to. We have Geno Smith at quarterback 13. I'm proud of the ADP game on NFC. I feel like he's higher on NFC, and that sort of um, you know that sort of confirms the suspicions that I have that you know, he's a little bit of a sharper pick just because, you know, most home leagues aren't going to be taking a guy like Geno Smith. They'll be taking a guy like Aaron Rodgers over him, even though he had a worse year last year, has, you know, some decent options. I just think that is a, a sharper draft pick than, you know, you would expect from the masses. But Geno Smith at 13, Daniel Jones, 14, Jared Goff, Aaron Rodgers, Anthony Richardson, and Russell Wilson rounding out this tier. Uh, They are all in between 119 and 134, so very well grouped together here. I feel like that makes this a good discussion because you can pretty much get any one of these guys that you want in round uh, 11 or 12. Cody, uh, are you comfortable with any one of those guys I just mentioned uh, leaving your draft as uh, your starter with one of these guys? So, yes, and I don't want to steal what you were going to say about this tier, but I feel like we might be on the same same page here. (laughs) No, please do. I would, I would actually be perfectly fine leaving my draft with two guys in this tier and give me Anthony Richardson with any one of the other four. Maybe I'd be a little bit more skeptical of Russell Wilson, but you give me Geno and Anthony Richardson in my draft and I get to take my first nine or first ten picks and get to build the rest of my roster, I mean, why wouldn't I do that? I get the upside play of Richardson. I get the guy that I get to start week one in Geno Smith. So, um that and Geno's playing the Rams week one, which I don't know how you feel about the Rams defense. I imagine it's not going to be super stout. Um, they so have a I, lot of holes, especially in the secondary. It's it's it should be a very much very much a plus matchup this year. One hundred percent. And then the other one I actually don't mind if you do Anthony Richardson is take Jared Goff in week one because you get to play him against Kansas City, and mm-hmm. I'd imagine that game's going to be maybe not a big like, somewhat of a. Uh, high scoring game, but should be a shootout. Should Over-unders be 54 and a half right now. That's should excellent. Be Go a ahead shootout. and target Jared Goff. 
Yeah, exactly. So if you get one of those two guys and leave with Anthony Richardson, I'm okay with that because then you get to see how he's played in week one. If he's if he has the rushing upside, everyone assumed that he did when he got drafted. So I, I'm 100% sure I stole what you were going to say about that. But that is my that would be my, my – if I lo- missed out on everybody else, my last strategy would be Anthony Richardson and some combination of Geno Smith and Jared Goff. I do want to pass it back to you, though. How do you feel about Daniel Jones? I don't think I've drafted him a single bit in any underdog, any mock draft. I just cannot get behind drafting Daniel Jones to be my fantasy quarterback. Absolutely zero interest. Uh, he and See, Daniel Jones is a, is a good streamer uh, because in the right matchup, he can have boom games because of his rushing ability and because, you know, Brian Dayball – is a great coordinator has the you know chance to, to scheme up a good game for him, but Daniel Jones is his actual NFL ability kind of prohibits him from being a consistent fantasy quarterback because he just throws up duds occasionally against good defenses. The Giants have a super tough schedule this year. They start off with Dallas, so I don't want to start him week one against a really good defense. And are you really going to draft Daniel Jones to hold him past week one as your potential starter after that? It just doesn't make a ton of sense. I think if you're drafting him, you're hoping he is, uh, you know, taking the step up. But he does have a lot of tough matchups out of the gate. And then, to your point, yeah, my my strategy is specifically take Anthony Richardson. You're actually probably going to take him first, even though he's lower in this ADP. I think in home leagues he's going to go higher because 100%. of his potential. You yep. might have to reach from around nine or ten. I'm okay with that. Hopefully round ten, but. Uh, if you have to reach Foreman round nine, I'm okay with it. His potential's off the charts. And then Geno Smith is the guy I would be specifically targeting. If you have to fall back on Jared Goff, that's okay. But I do like Geno a little better. Like you said, he plays the Rams week one, and then he gets to play the Detroit Lions in week two. That game was 48-45 last year in Detroit. We get a rematch in week two of the NFL season. So honestly, both of those guys should be good plays in that situation. Uh, but yeah, like you said, I just think, I think Gino's opportunity with this incredible wide receiver core and just all around offensive pieces. I think he could be, again, he could replicate his season. He had last year to some degree, be a low end QB one option. And, uh, I, I like pairing him a lot with Richardson. I, that is my strategy. If I miss out on Tua in round seven or eight, and I miss out on fields or Herbert in rounds four or five, I am looking for those two late in my draft. Absolutely. Any any comments on Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson? They're the last two in this tier. Both of those guys, I don't – again, it would be – I would prefer to be a situation where I grabbed Richardson and then I'm just grabbing another guy to play in week one. I don't – who do the Jets play? It's I think they play – they the play Bills. the Bills. Yeah, okay, they I do. don't really want to play Rodgers week one, so I'm probably avoiding that. Who do the Broncos play week one? They uh, play the Raiders. Okay. That's – if you wanted okay. to get, um, want to get ballsy week one and throw Russ out there, you could if you absolutely had to. And his ADP is a little lower, so you could probably grab Richardson and almost wait a round or two and get Russ yes. pretty comfortably. So I don't mind doing that. I think I'd avoid Rodgers just based on his week one matchup. Um, so him and Daniel Jones, there's going to be someone in a lot of your leagues that draft those two guys and then realize who they're playing week one and either have to drop them or throw them out there and – let them put up a 10 or 15 point week one performance for him. Yeah. Rogers has a similar problem to Jones, in my opinion, that like you said, he has a tough week one matchup. So I don't really want to start him right out of the gate. And then uh, two has a tough schedule moving forward. Just in general, the whole AFC East is going to, especially, uh, especially Rogers and the jets. Again, I, I don't have it right in front of me, but uh, 
the schedule just does not lay out very well for them, especially from the pass catching side of things. So that concerns me. And then Russell Wilson, I, I'm fine with the Vegas matchup at home, but I just want to see it first. I, I He was so bad last year that I need to see him be good on an NFL field before I'm going to trust him. And, um, you know, if you, if you believe in Russell Wilson, you can go ahead and take him at that point. But I want somebody that gives me a little more security. I think, shockingly, uh, Geno Smith has a higher floor than Russell Wilson in fantasy, which is kind of a wild statement to make. But just based on the context of the offenses they play in, I, I believe that to be the case. Yep. Do you um? Our, do you want to, on this next tier? Just read this first name in his ADP, and I'm just going to play a quick sound real quick. <laughs> Derek Carr, ADP one fifty nine point seven. I would agree. I am not a huge fan of Derek Carr. I think he should be going a lot lower here. Uh, Again, this tier I have just labeled as the rest. These are around 12-plus guys. These are mostly guys you're looking at as your second QB in two quarterback leagues. We have Derek Carr at 160, Jordan Love at 174, Brock Purdy 183, Kyler Murray, Matt Stafford, Bryce Young, Kenny Pickett, CJ Stroud, Sam Howell. They round out the end of this tier. Uh, Are there any of these guys that you are targeting over any others, any others that you're targeting in a two quarterback situation, or are they all kind of just in the same bucket for you? Yeah, I mean, the, obviously the biggest name that sticks out is Kyler Murray. Um, if you are drafting and you have any kind of other knowledge that he can be ready earlier than I assume he's going to be, I think you have to snag him where you can. He's a guy that goes super late in best balls. I I have drafted him a couple times just at the hope that he can come back and kind of secure that quarterback position for me. Um, But the reason why I was laughing about Derek Carr is I think I would – at ADP, I'm taking probably every single one of these guys after him at their ADPs instead of taking him a whole round higher plus than the rest of them. Um, I just don't think Derek Carr has really very much fantasy value at all. He – to me kind of ruined it in Vegas. And I don't really think the saints are just going to be like the best resurrection story. Um, I think they're going to be okay. I don't think they're going to be that great of an offense. I'm somewhat interested in Jordan love as a QB too, just because we've never seen it before. So there's a chance of something special there. I don't think it's going to be special, but there's still that chance. Same thing you're going to get with some of these other guys, like a Bryce young, a CJ Stroud. They may just show you something on an NFL field that, these other guys like a a Brock Purdy, a Derek Carr, uh, Purdy's a little questionable. But Derek Carr, um, even Matt Stafford at this point in his career, like we've seen what they're probably going to be for fantasy, and they're just not very exciting. So I'm probably taking any of these first year starters or rookie quarterbacks as a QB two over any of the old veterans. But I'm probably not the best person to ask about this. I will. Be very honest. I am not the best at drafting in two quarterback leagues. I do it in our on our mock drafts on our YouTube, and those are my least favorite teams. I just the strategy of how you draft two quarterbacks it's ultimately depends on your league and how. Cause in my league that I play is two quarterback. We don't really treat quarterback like it's overly special, so we don't draft it extremely high. Whereas in a lot of two QB leagues, you'll see quarterbacks just flying off the board like crazy. So if it's one of those, I kind of just like to be a part of the madness and grab myself two quarterbacks relatively early and then just build the rest of the team out from there. As you should. If it's one where it's a little bit different strategy, then I may be okay 
you know, taking a later shot on one of these two guys and maybe building up my wide receivers and running backs. It's like I said, that's something I got to get better at personally. I just two quarterback throws me off my game a lot. Are there anybody that you'd feel comfortable being your QB two and a two quarterback in this tier? I think you're looking at the veterans here. You're looking at Derek Carr. Uh, you're looking at Matt Stafford, even Brock Purdy, uh, not necessarily a veteran, but somebody that I view as a pretty safe option as long as he is, you know, all the health reports have come back okay. Those would be the three guys that I would be looking at as my second quarterback in a 2QB league. I will say that if I'm in a 2QB league, I would prioritize trying to get two guys in my top 15 to avoid this situation. But if you are looking at your second quarterback, I would look at those guys over the you know Jordan Loves, Bryce Youngs, CJ Strouds of the world, uh, just because those guys have a lot more volatility in their week-to-week performance. I'm going to go for the veterans that will give me a nice baseline as my two as my second quarterback in a two QB league. And then in a one quarterback league, I'm probably not taking any of them. But if you are so inclined, I would give the exact opposite advice. Go ahead and take the young guys because they have the chance to, you know, jump into the top ten because, you know, maybe just CJ Stroud is just more developed as a passer than we think. Or same with Bryce Young. Maybe he is, you know, just a better pocket passer than we think he's going to be because we haven't seen him on an NFL field, whereas we kind of know what Derek Carr is. We know what Matt Stafford is. We know what Brock Purdy is, yada, yada. So um, draft the younger guys that have, you know, less proven NFL film that, you know, you can look back on and say, we know what they're going to be. If you're looking for a home run, if you're looking for a safe option, take the veterans in this space. But I, uh, again, I am hoping to avoid this tier altogether, even in a two quarterback situation. Yeah, I you actually made a really good point there. I'm I'm gonna go back into my two QB league now and see how everyone drafted their two quarterbacks. If they did a stud and then an old guy, if they went too early, because that's the league I feel like I do the worst in uh, over the past couple of years. And mostly because my quarterback position is just always a nightmare. Um, mm-hmm. So that that like I said personally, I I know that that's where I got to get better at in those leagues. So I do some yeah, research into that. They are very difficult because if you get yourself or you're like i i traded for russell wilson in the first couple of weeks last year because the trey lance was my qb2 so it was immediately from an injury concern to a guy that basically could not produce on a week-to-week basis and when your qb2 is not doing anything and the other qb2 is putting up a 20 25 point game it buries you quick yeah if you just think about it from an nfl perspective you have say 10 teams in your two quarterback league that means 20 starters, so 20 of the NFL, NFL's 32 starting quarterbacks will be in lineups, and then everybody has one backup. Yep. There are all of a sudden only two starters on the waiver wire, if that, you know, maybe somebody chooses to roster two backups, and all of a sudden there is not one option for you. So they are just very hard to replace once injured, like you said. Um, and, you know, yeah, they just become a lot more important in that situation. It completely changes the game. Uh, I have kind of a funny... I want to. I want to get to this uh, little little bit of a Kyler Murray. Uh, just this kind of just speaks to how volatile he's going to be this year. I looked up because when you when you started talking about him, I kind of realized I haven't really seen any updates on his injury situation. I'm kind of just wondering what the buzz out of Arizona is. So I don't think these three articles could be any more opposite of each other. So uh-huh. let's just see these first three headlines that I have for you. ESPN Cardinals moving on from Kyler Murray is, quote, likely. That was nine hours ago. (laughs) Eleven hours ago from Fox Sports. Cardinals expect Kyler Murray, once healthy, to be electric in revamped offense. 
And then one day ago, Kyler Murray viewed as a long shot for week one, could miss multiple games. <laughs> so I don't think we have any consensus on what the hell's going on here. And that should probably give you, you know, the fact that there isn't a consensus means it's probably leaning towards the, you know, negative side of things, to be honest. So I, I'm probably staying away from him right now. But, you know, if you, again, if you are in a really deep league that everybody takes a backup, I, I'm okay with Kyler Murray. I think he, you know, if he ends up coming back in week three a little earlier than you think, he's probably going to be a lot better than most of these guys on a points per game basis. Yep. I, I tend to agree with you there. Um, any other quarterbacks that you don't have listed here that you want to shout out? I think you got pretty much any guy that I would be interested in drafting. Yeah, I don't think so. Let me double check this ADP real quick. Yeah. Now everybody else down here is pretty much just a two quarterback league backup. Situation. What about, um, um can I just draft the Tampa Bay quarterback since they have two starting quarterbacks <laughs> on their roster? Is that a possibility? Unfortunately, <laughs> you cannot. Um, I guess the the one thing I will say, I'll throw Ryan Tannehill into the oh. mix of Brock Purdy, Derek Carr, and Matt Stafford. I think he is due for a bounce back year. I think he's a solid player. I think he can be a, a good second quarterback, and he you'll get him later than all these guys do. So one hundred, go ahead and you know fall back on Tannehill as your second quarterback if you have to. Look at Ryan Tannehill with a true number one receiver versus without a true number one receiver, exactly. and where mm-hmm. he's going in fantasy. I for a QB two, I actually would be fine with Ryan Tannehill if. It got to, if it got to that point where I I missed out on literally everybody else. He is like the the last second guy. I actually drafted him in both of yep. the the best ball leagues with like my second or third to last pick. He was one of the last. Like there's backups going off the board at the quarterback position before Ryan Tannehill does. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, I think respect. People forget how good he was the first two years he was a starter in Tennessee. I mean, this was a guy that was a top ten fantasy quarterback, let alone a top ten NFL quarterback. So. Uh, you know, rough couple years, and he does have limited upside. But as a second quarterback, as the thirtieth quarterback off the board, I think there's a very, very high likelihood he beats that ADP. For sure. All right, you ready to wrap this one up? Let's do it. Cool. If you're this far in, like, comment, subscribe, share with friends, share with family. We are on to the next one. This one was out Friday, so tight ends on Monday. And then running backs, wide receivers also next week. We are getting into it. Obviously, fantasy football drafts are right around the corner. Check out the mock drafts, all that good stuff. Peace out, everybody. Peace.